All right, that's our very own Joshua Ray Walker voices kicking things off for us on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Cable Smith here with you today as always. Thank you, thank you, thank you for dropping by. I certainly do appreciate each and every one of you. Um, Man, it is a great time of the year. I feel like we've come out of the, I guess, the post-hunting season blues. Turkey season is upon us. South Zone already opened up here in Texas. Folks in other states uh, chasing long beards as well. And if your season isn't open, it won't be long before it is. Also, the spawn is on in the south. Uh, I went out, did a little bass fishing this past week. First time I've gone bass fishing for me in a year, probably. That's the longest I've ever gone. And there's two reasons for that. Number one, I just haven't been that mad at largemouth bass since I caught that uh, 10-pounder a couple years ago. Number two, and this is probably more at the heart of the issue, is that when you're a father of three youngsters, uh, those moments when you used to slip away and go fishing for yourself, well, those have been replaced by baiting hooks with worms and taking bluegills and little tiny bass off of said hooks for your kiddos. Or even better, you know, spending a half hour untangling their line out of the closest tree. So uh, I did take a fishing pole thinking, oh, they'll be okay. I'll have time to make a couple casts. Uh, yeah, right. That's uh, like living in the twilight zone. Uh, welcome back to Reality Cable. There's no time for you. But uh, I did make time this past week. And man, was I rusty. <laughs> I lost literally lost like the first four bites that I had. One of them was a nice three or four pounder. Uh, finally stuck a good one and landed it. And uh, Bell looked up at me like, okay, uh, can we go now, dad? <laughs> so uh, anyway, it's a great time of the year and we've got a great show lined up for you today. So pull up that stool a little closer to the campfire here. Pour yourself another cup of coffee out of that beat up old Stanley Thermos, the one granddad passed down to you years ago because uh, we've got a great guest today, and he'll be here for the duration to discuss a myriad of hunting, uh, maybe even some Second Amendment-related topics, Uh, but Nick Munt of Bone Collector makes his return to the show, Um, and I have to say, when taping this, it's one of my favorite conversations of of 2021, Uh, so Nick will be here uh, in just a second. Um, One other note... I finally have come to the conclusion that I just have more content recorded these days than I can possibly release doing just one show per week. So some of the additional stuff, um, I'm going to call it Campfire Conversations, and they will be available on my website, on uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, my YouTube channel. And these likely will be a little bit shorter and more focused on a specific topic. For instance, episode one, uh, which is available now, uh, Mark Jury of Jury Outdoors joined me, and all we did was talk spring turkey hunting. So if that interests you, you can find it right there. Uh, And if you're already subscribing to the uh, Lone Star Outdoors show feed on uh, those platforms, then it'll pop up right there uh, for you as well. So anyway, Campfire Conversations. Uh, new addition to uh, the content I'll be putting out. Hope you enjoy it. Um, let's uh, let's do a quick giveaway. Our longtime sponsor over at uh, Lone Star Ag Credit, 
just sent me over some new swag, including a Carhartt blind bag, a Lone Star Ag Credit hoodie, cap. We'll throw in koozies, a uh, a water bowl, a portable water bowl for your four-legged friend. I know Belle loves hers. Uh, yeah, so that's what is in today's prize pack. To enter, just email the word conservation, that's conservation, to Lone Star Outdoor Show at gmail.com. We'll get you entered into this week's giveaway. Let's take a quick break. Nick Munt of Bone Collector joins us next on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Spawn is right around the corner. Your reels have been re-spooled and the tackle box is ready to roll. But the question is, can your truck handle another season of pulling your boat in and out of the water every weekend? Call David Boone at Third Coast Diesels. He'll make sure your truck is not what sinks your next fishing trip. Offering a widespread array of diesel parts and services, call 214-326-1176 or visit thirdcoastdiesels.com today. I had barely left the saddle and my foot just touched the ground When a cold voice from the shadows told me not to turn around Said he knew about my fast gun, knew the price paid by the law Challenged by a bounty hunter, so I turned around to draw The great Marty Robbins bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show, presented by Mossberg Firearms, Cable Smith. Riding shotgun with you today. Thanks for tuning in. Um, We're about to visit with our old friend. And when it comes to, like, crews in outdoor television, in the hunting industry, I think the bone collector guys are about as down to earth as it comes. Uh, Michael, Travis... And today's guest, uh, Nick Munt, who makes his return to the program. Excited about that. Uh, before Nick joins us, however, this segment of the show brought to you by Stealth Cam and the new Fusion wireless trail camera with data plans as affordable as like $5 a month uh, and the Fusion coming in at like 170 There's no reason not to have one of these on your rancher lease. Check it out. It's the Fusion. You can find it at StealthCam.com. And with that being said, Nick, thanks for jumping on, man. Great to have you back on the show. Yeah, I'm I'm excited to be here. I've been, uh, you know, following your socials and and uh, all that kind of stuff. So Likewise. I like what you're doing, man. It's cool, and and uh, you know, I followed along on your on your trip to Africa, and looked like you guys had a blast. I I felt bad for the animals because they hadn't been hunted in like 15 months, and you know they <laughs> didn't they I think they didn't forget what it was like to be pressured, but they certainly were a little too comfortable for the first couple of days then rifle blasts start going off and, and they remembered very quickly, but those first two days, man, it was like, wow, I've never seen Africa like this before. That, that is cool. I, I've been there three times myself. Um, I twice to Gims, South Africa. I see the and then, buck and the kudu in the background there. Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's kind of my, that was my first Gems buck. I got a bigger one at the taxidermy shop, but nice. that was the first one I ever got. I went over one time, um, some clients that I had when I was a guide in Wyoming, um, they took me along to run camera for them and mm-hmm. uh, they let me shoot a few animals. So um, I had a couple really fun trips to South Africa. And uh, the first trip we shot 14 animals, which was cool. Yeah. And I went with them the next year and we shot 40. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> it was fun. These guys uh, I took, so I took four guys with me, three of them, three of of them had never been and so it's like i i think the first time i went to africa i shot like 12 myself 
and then the more you go, you know, you've shot this and that. And, and so this year I only had three on my list. So Cape Buffalo, I wanted to shoot a free ranging fallow deer. You know, we have fallow deer in Texas, but they're like five grand. And in Africa, right. they're like a thousand dollars. Right. And they're free range. They're not going to be the, the giant genetic mutations that you'll see here. Yep. You can find a beautiful, you know, uh, palmated, just free ranging uh, stag out there. And the, that was a, a pretty cool hunt. And then I had a common diker, um, one of the tiny 10 on my list, but these other guys, these other guys went hog wild. Do they were just having a blast shooting? They're like, Oh, what, what is that? Um, that's a water buck. How much is it? Boom. You know, <laughs> <laughs> That's the cool part. You know, you get there and there's just so many, so many animals and they, they're just so, so much different than ours. You know, they have stripes and spots and all kinds of cool, you know, their hair is different. And yeah. It's just yeah. a, it's an awesome place. And I, you know, I've shot quite a few of the plains game, but there's a lot of stuff I'd really want to, that I really would like to get, you know, I'd love to get a Buffalo. Of course, I'd love uh -huh. to shoot all the cats if I could someday, yeah. maybe. Right. Um, but uh, no, I, I think it's a really cool place to go. And, you know, I never really had the desire to do it growing up because I always figured I'd spend my money on a goat hunt or a sheep hunt or something. Mm -hmm. But then these guys took me over to run camera for them and, you know, paid my, paid my expenses to get there and stuff. And so, man, I just fell in love with it. I just yeah. think it's the coolest thing ever, you know. Well, that's kind of how I ended up there. Uh, a buddy introduced me to John X Safaris, uh, the uh, safari company. He'd hunted with a couple times. Next thing you know, um, I've got a, a great working relationship with them. And we just wrapped up trip number four. And uh, trip number five takes place July of this year. So I don't know, though. I, I'm going to take my bow in July for the first time, uh, thinking about going after a sable uh, with the uh, stick and string. Oh, that's a, just a cool animal, too, man. Yeah. The Prince I, I of the Plains, that. they say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, those, they just, they kind of remind me of an Ibex for some reason. I, you know, obviously the curved horn like that, but to me, one of the neatest animals in Africa is, is, you know, I love those things. They're cool. Sables. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. And I had no uh, interest really in shooting a giraffe. And then my, my twin girls were like, dad, are you going to shoot a giraffe? I was like, no, nah, I never, where might I put the damn thing? Yeah. Uh, I have eaten giraffe. One of my buddies shot one when I was there a couple of years ago, and it was phenomenal. But when the girls like, "Dad, will you shoot a giraffe?" I was like, "Okay, I think I'll." We'll see how many social media followers we can lose with that post. <laughs> you know what? It's a it's a cool animal, and they really make a neat mount. Um, yeah. You know, I've seen them. It's kind of like the shoulders are sitting on the ground, and then the head comes up, and it's you know sits in the corner of your trophy room. Uh -huh. Really cool. I was uh, one of the trips that I took. One of the guys shot a giraffe. He shot it with his bow, and it was. Uh, it was like 45 yards. It was quarter and two. And he just slipped it right in between kind of the front of the brisket and the, what would be his left shoulder. Got a complete pass through. Um, it took it a long time to go down. So we just kept following it and following it. And there was a group of about five or six of them. And you could tell which one it was because its head just kept drooping and drooping uh. as they were running. And then finally it went down and just a magnificent animal, man. Just the yeah. coolest it's just the neatest mountain in his house too. You know, it's just this big, long, you know, 10 foot tall. It's just his neck basically. And yeah. Really cool. I don't think my wife is up for that. She's uh, she said you're maxed out on, on mounts that can be out of your office or your trophy room. <laughs> so I think it would just have to be like a rug that would cover, it would cover the entire trophy room probably, but uh, right. Yeah. Or that would be cool though. Get some nice furniture made out of them. Oh uh, man. Yeah. Stuff like that. But uh, I, Another reason why I'm interested um, in the giraffe is the uh, the anti hunters have really turned the screws on 
on adding it to the big five to make it the big six. And the giraffe is in no way endangered. It, it is in certain parts of Africa, but that's like saying the Florida Panthers endangered. Therefore you can't hunt all mountain lions, you know, yeah, exactly. whether if it's endangered in Tanzania, that doesn't mean that it's, it's in, endangered in Namibia or South Africa or Zambia or these other places. It's just, uh, it's that way that they, they pander to uh, the, the emotions of the, the sheep, so to speak. Exactly. And it's kind of the same with the elephants, you know, in some places, yeah, there aren't a lot of elephants, but then you take like Botswana and there's, oh gosh, yeah. you know, 350,000 when the country can only hold 70,000 and it's just out of control, you know? So yeah. I agree yeah. with that for sure. So what has it been like for you um, and uh, Travis and, and Michael, as far as is traveling during this pandemic we've seen over the last uh, year and, and actually um, the, the waiter on our way back uh, through Johannesburg, it was so cool because he's like, he's like, man, first of all, he flagged us down. He was like, Americans, come eat, come eat at our, our bar here. We got great hamburgers and, chi and chicken tenders. <laughs> I was like, oh, what a sales pitch. Hamburgers and chicken tenders. <laughs> but we're like, okay, fine. You know, you've got cold beer. We'll come. And he's like, man, it, it's so great to see you guys. I haven't seen Americans since March. It's been a year. And, and, and you talk to these people and they're, you know, of course, the outfitters are struggling. But then you don't really think about the average, the average guy who is – a waiter at a, at a bar in a, in a airport. And he's like, man, it's, we love you guys here. Yeah. You know, it's uh globally, it's just shut so many, so many people down and it's just caused so much havoc, you know, um, just here locally, you know, we, we have a, we have a little business that we run and we haven't been open for a year just because it's been, you know, nobody wants to go out and do anything. So it's, mm -hmm. it's, um, it's been a big deal, but, but for all of us personally, you know, on the hunting side, things have been okay. Um, last year, um, kind of got shut down on the turkey hunting. you know, we couldn't really go anywhere. Uh, we had a couple bear hunts planned for the spring that we didn't get to go to. Um, but the fall was pretty much, you know, normal. Um, I did kind of hang it up this year after, um, I shot a big buck in Kansas, my biggest buck ever, a uh, 210 inch buck and kind of shut it down after that because we built this new home and, and we had, um, family coming for, uh, Thanksgiving and for Christmas. And so I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to be out and get sick and have to quarantine and then pass it to my family. And then, you know, it just turns into a big fiasco. So we live in the country. So we just kind of hung around the house and weren't, you know, weren't around many people. Uh, but as far as business, you know, all the shows that were canceled in the last two years, um, you know, it took, took a pretty big hit financially because that's, you know, where I make a good chunk of my money is doing appearances at, yeah. you know, we do a lot of um, conservation banquets, Whitetails Unlimited, National Wild Turkey Federation, um, you know, stuff like that. And, um, you know, we get paid to do appearances and speak there. So we, so we lost out on some pretty good revenue on those. And then we also do, um, uh, retail appearances at, at stores, sporting goods stores. Um, and then of course the trade shows, you know, we get hired, you know, by trade show promoters to come in and then, uh, basically have a booth so we can talk to people all day. And then we do a couple seminars throughout the weekend. And so the revenue stream, was hurt pretty good just from that standpoint. Um, like Texas trophy hunters, uh, the extravaganzas. I, I don't know if you came two years ago, but I know, uh, Travis and Michael did and, uh, ran into them. And I think we were in San Antonio or Fort Worth. Um, but that, that hit me too, because they advertised those extravaganzas on my show. Yeah. Right? So that revenue is bye-bye, you know? Yeah. And, 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 and that seems petty to say, Oh, well, you know, they lost their, their biggest revenue generator for the year. It wasn't 
you know, my main source of income, obviously, but you know, it still hurts. So. And it's a huge trickle down. I mean, it, it definitely hurts. You know, I, um, I just, I've been booking a lot of hunts, um, over the past couple of years and I'm getting ready to, to launch a new booking agency, um, here in the next week or so. And, um, I got a lot of people, man, that are supposed to be going to Canada this year. And it's just, it's tough. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the outfitters that I've been working with for years up there, they're hurting. Um, they've lost you know, this spring a year. A whole, like it's been a whole year of revenue. Like how, how do they, how are they paying? A lot of those guys lease the, uh, well in Africa, they'd be called a concession. I don't, what do they call it's them? It's the same. Basically it's yeah. called a concession they lease it from the government. Right. So yeah. is the government giving these guys a reprieve since they're the ones saying, Hey, Americans can't come in to hunt. No, I don't believe well, so. And, and I know um, a few of the outfitters that I know that are like in the Yukon territory, um, they weren't able to take anybody. You know, some of them were lucky enough to gain Canadian hunters that, you know, they gave discounts to Canadian hunters so that they could get some revenue, you know. Um, but some of those camps, they have to man the camp. So they can't just, if they're, if they're, if something like this happens, they can't just leave their camp empty. Somebody has to be in the area and in the camp, from what I understand. Um, and if they don't do that, if there's nobody in that area, then, then they can get their concession taken away. So, you know, these guys that are doing sheep and moose and, and all these, you know, things that require a lot of logistics to get into the area, you know, they're having to spend a bunch of money, you know, getting their camp put in and going in there and and hanging out in there just so they, they don't lose their concessions from, from what I hear anyway. Um, so it's costing them a lot of money and then, you know, zero revenue and then, then you got, you know, then you're already a year behind. So the guys that were booked for 2020 that couldn't go, you know, now they're going to have to go in 2021. Um, Maybe. And, and, and that's it. If they don't get to go in 2021, now what, you know, they're going to have to roll all the way to 2022 and it's just two years. Two of, years. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and, the, and they pay the government for the land and the government's the one screwing them. So, right. And it's all, it's all for a, for a, a virus that's 99.5%, you know, yeah. survivable. And I mean, flying to Africa was weird. Getting a COVID test on the way there and on the way back was, uh, it was only cumbersome because we had that storm here in Texas and you have to get the COVID test 72 hours before you fly internationally. Well, right. I couldn't find anywhere that had power to give me a COVID test. <laughs> Everybody was like, we don't have, your, your test is canceled. Uh, finally we found like an emergency room that was like, the sticking point was they had to have the lab in-house. Most of like your pharmacies and stuff send it to a, to a lab and you get your results a couple of days later. Well, we're like, it's the day before we leave. We're like, we have to have a COVID test with results today. And yeah. I called the outfitter and was like, I don't know if this is going to happen because of the storm, like the power situation and everything. But thank God we were able to find a emergent care and, um, and get that done. But it was, uh, yeah. it was so cumbersome just the, the whole deal. thing the whole thing is just weird you know it's um can, how can you go to africa and not canada i know it it's ridiculous well um big time liberal government yeah <laughs> i think it's the biggest thing but you know the ups and downs of the whole thing are crazy because there's times when you think man it's just a you know it's not, not much different than the flu but then i myself i have asthma so me too um were you scared? i'm worried about it? it what's you that haven't ha- you haven't had it no, we haven't okay. had it yet. No, we got um, it, and I have asthma as well. And so we were deathly afraid. We were like sanitizing <laughs> all our groceries, and I mean, like hardcore, just taking us it. too. Yeah, us um, too. So we'd we'd either have them delivered to the house, or we'd schedule a pickup, bring them all mm-hmm. home, put them in the garage, let them sit there for a while, 
And then anything that was going in the refrigerator, we'd bring it in, we'd wash it and, and dunk it in bleach water. Um, yeah. Just go through the whole, whole thing, you know. Yeah. But then, you know, a year later here. So now we're kind of not as worried, but there's still people that are dying from it. My dad got it. He was in the hospital mm-hmm. three times, got double pneumonia, yeah. you know, was super sick. I was worried to death. You know, he's he'll, he just turned 77. So he's not a young guy. He's tougher than hell. And, you know, most most people that would have been in his position wouldn't have made it because, mm-hmm. you know, he, he lifts and works out every day. Um, so physically he's strong mentally. He's the strongest guy I've ever met. You know, he was in Vietnam, he was a medic and he's just super tough. Mm-hmm. So he pulled through, but barely, you know, and so it is fearful, but at the same time, you know, the first time around, I didn't know anybody that had it, not one person, Yeah. um, you know, maybe a cousin to somebody I knew had it, but, um, the second time around, man, almost everybody around here got it. And yeah. so, but yeah. I don't know, man, I, it's. It's hard to know what to think. I just know, I just know that people, you know, there are some people at risk. I think I probably am one of them because I get these flare ups in my asthma where like last night, you know, four or five times in the middle of the night, I had to get up and take my inhaler because I just couldn't breathe, you know, so. Right. Um, but mine's due to diet. You know, mine's, I, I'm on a pretty much a grain free diet. And if I stray off or if I drink some alcohol or, you know, um, this past week was my birthday. So I cheated two or three days um with the booze or with the, with the pizza so yeah <laughs> cake and everything else so it, yeah. it hurts me you know but uh that's what that's what worries me you know i'm not so yeah. much worried about the kids because they bounce back pretty good i felt bad for her but she's okay now but still you know it's it's hard to know you know yeah. yeah. she's consumed all of our lives our poor kids our kids are homeschooling because the school's up here so screwed up so, luckily our our kids in texas are in school um and uh, I think the moment of, of like when, when we were like, okay, I guess we're over uh, sterilizing our groceries and, and taking it to that extreme was my son went back to baseball. So the spring season was canceled. So they pushed it to the summer and like midsummer, he started playing baseball again and they had him catching and, and he put on that catcher's mask that all the other kids had had on. And I was like, Ugh. you know, like, yeah. I guess we're back to real life now. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but, I was yeah, gonna but, say, you know, what's what's funny about it all is, um, so my my in laws um, run a vet clinic. My my wife's stepdad and and her mother, um, they've had a vet clinic. It's a mobile vet clinic. He works on horses, and so ever since I've known them, you know, going on eight years now, they've been just real germ conscious people because of what they do. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're aware of parasites and and just regular germs and. Um, so I was never like that. And so, you know, I always was kind of like, geez, you guys are really paranoid, you know, about the germs and everything. But now um, I, I'm in the same boat. And so everywhere I go, I look at what I touch. You know, if I go to the grocery store, I always get one of those things and wipe the cart down now, right. you know, right. get back in the truck. And I got a, I got a, you know, a big, big thing of hand sanitizer <laughs> and I'm gooping up, putting it on all the kids. And, you know, yeah. it's just really changed the way we live, man. It's been, it's been super weird. So. No, absolutely. And and not in a good way. I, I really do fear for our kiddos. Um, and, you know, the anti-hunters, the crazy folks out there who think uh, transgendering eight, nine-year-old kids is perfectly acceptable. Uh, dude, it's uh, society has turned into a cesspool, no doubt about that. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, maybe we'll talk about some more lighthearted stuff, get into some hunting conversation as well. And that segment was brought to you by Big and J. The Bone Collector guys use it. I do too. 
And if you're trying to pattern that big pre-rut buck, nothing works better than hand feeding Big and J. I like to die for. They've got a ton of options. You can find their entire lineup of whitetail attractants at bigandj.com. We'll be right back with more from Bone Collector's Nick Munt on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Search for a dime Only found a penny To scratch them off Never was good at winning whether you're headed to the lake for crappie, the coast for redfish, or trying to put your tag on that big gobbler this spring, don't let your truck tank your next trip. Third Coast Diesels does it all. From maintenance to repairs to full diesel rebuilds, any accessory on any truck, doesn't matter. They also do lifts, wheels, tires, hell, you name it, Third Coast Diesel does it. Call David Boone at 214-326-1176 or visit thirdcoastdiesels.com. With city life seemingly getting crazier by the minute, the thought of moving out to the country is looking more appealing than ever. And Foster Farm and Ranch has been recognized as one of the nation's top ranch brokerages the past two years. They have listings in 22 counties and counting and are truly a statewide entity. Foster represents buyers and sellers from all walks of life. Farmers, ranchers, hunters, doctors, lawyers, investors, and possibly you. You can find them on Facebook, Foster Farm and Ranch, or Instagram, at Foster Ranch Sales. Of course, fosterfarmandranch.com, the website, or call chat at 830-776-3605. This premium power sports is one of the largest pre-owned dealers in Texas. They specialize in sales of pre-owned ATVs and UTVs, many of which come fully accessorized. They also have a full service and repair center for most major brands and offer financing with a 500 credit score or better. They'll even finance parts and accessories such as high racks, roofs, and wheel and tire combos. Visit TexasPremiumPowerSports.com or check them out on Instagram at Texas underscore premium underscore power sports. That's TexasPremiumPowerSports.com. To this road that was windy, steep, and cool. The road to you made a concrete green and gold. And I drive all night and I keep it inside like a lighthouse standing alone. One of my favorites there from our very own Mickey and the Motor Cars bringing us back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. I'm Cable Smith. Thank you so much for tuning in as we are visiting with Nick Munt of Bone Collector. Uh, but before we jump back into that conversation, this segment brought to you by SCI, the worldwide leader in big game conservation. They put their money where their mouth is. They do that by educating the public, by fighting for our rights as hunters in D.C., and of course, placing a huge emphasis on on conservation for more info on how to join this great group of like-minded folks check us out at safariclub.org and with that being said nick i want to hit on uh, what what you said you know you talked about how life is just crazy and different especially for our kiddos and you know getting back to normal i I don't know if we'll ever get back to normal uh certainly the new normal uh, it's not something that reminds me of my childhood no. I think it was better. I'm about to be 40. I imagine you're somewhere in that realm. I just I just had my birthday a couple of days ago. I'm 48. Okay. So I think, well, obviously you're a little older than me, but when we were kids, I certainly believe it was a better time. 
Oh yeah. Uh, it's scary to have kids now now worry about not just because of the anti hunters, just society in general. It's like Yeah. Uh we're raising a generation of wussies and it's it's sad as a parent, to be frank. Plus not only that, you know, all this all this um human trafficking stuff now, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh when I grew up, you know, I'd leave my house just after daylight, I get on my bicycle. I lived in a town now, now my town in uh, Spearford, South Dakota is about 12, 12,000, I think. But back then, you know, it was about 5,000, 5,500. And there was no worries. You know, we just rode around town on our bikes all day long. We fished in the Creek, we caught snakes and turtles. And I mean, just, we were just wide open all the time. You know, my parents would get mad at me because I never came home for lunch or supper, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, so around here where, where we live in Minnesota now, where my wife's from, when she was a kid, there was a kid named Jacob Wetterling that was abducted and for 26, 27 years, his mother kept his name alive and she had events and she searched and searched and searched for this, for this son of hers that she had, she had lost that somebody had abducted. Well, three or four years ago, they always had this guy that was a suspect. Well, they, um, through, through the internet, they found that he was, you know, into child pornography. They raided his home, found all this stuff. Well, he was one of the main suspects throughout the years, but they never had anything on him. Well, it turns out um, they basically let him plea bargain. If he, showed, if, he, if he showed him where he had buried this Jacob Wetterling's body. And so he did, he, sh- he showed him the body. So with that, you know, my wife has always been just very, very paranoid about, with good reason about, you know, leaving the kids, you know, we don't leave the, the kids at home. We never leave them in the car. Um, we never let them go into a bathroom by themselves. Um, oh God, I've got some work to do then. You know, we're just really <laughs> super careful about it. And I was never like that before. Yeah. You know, I didn't grow up like that. So she did because when she was a little kid, this, this young boy was abducted. And um, so it's made a, it, it was, it made a huge, huge impression on her and it scarred her basically because you know, it was all over the news. It was a local thing. And so then, man, everybody just held onto their kids tight and, and it changed everything in this area. And so, you know, I just had never gone through that before. And now with all this, you know, there's all this stuff going on right now about human trafficking and all these children's things that you're seeing. And yeah. it's just crazy. It's a completely different world, man. Well, w- one thing about COVID it's, and it was it, the, the opposite direction for me, you know, my wife works full time. Um, she's a nurse practitioner. And so she works like seven to seven. So on days that she works, you know, like I got home from Africa. Well, you'd think that you would get like a one day reprieve, like rest for the weary dad's jet lagged, you know, let's <laughs> no, no, no. The alarm goes off at six 45 the next morning. It's boom back to real life. Got to take the kids to school. Um, <laughs> but in my, my dad life, I was like, God, I don't want to have to take these kids to the grocery store, but we need something to eat. I was like, Henry, here's dad's phone number and here's 911. And you don't open the door for anybody. We have security system and everything. I was like, I will be back in 20 minutes. I got to go to the grocery store. You kids are going to go hungry. You know, like my wife freaked out the first time. I was like, I left the kids at home by themselves today. She's like, they're seven, five and five. I was like, (laughs) no, (laughs) but I was like, I don't know. I don't want to take them into the German fested supermarket. We're sanitizing (laughs) our groceries here. People come on. So, you know, it was, uh, luckily they passed the test and yeah, I don't, I don't have any qualms. We've got a lot of good neighbors too. They have their phone numbers, but. I'm, yeah, and I, so, and I text the neighbor and say, "Hey, the kids are home by themselves. Just if they if if anything happens." But 
right. they're not allowed to eat either because I want them choking on anything. So yeah. they've got a lot of rules when that happens. Well, you know, it's just so much different, man. I mean, I, you know, I just remember when I was a kid in South Dakota, it just was, it was just no worries, no fear. I mean, nobody ever talked about being abducted. I mean, my parents told me, you no, know, don't ever, Talk don't ever take candy from a stranger right. and don't ever get in somebody's car that you don't know. I mean, mm-hmm. that was, you know, but, um, it, it's just so much different today. Like our kids, you know, they, they, they keep the doors locked. They lock the car door, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. it's, um, and you know, like, like when I was a kid, you know, we all had basically was those lap belts, you know, in the, in the cars, you know, we didn't have yeah. a shoulder belt uh-huh. and we never wore seat belts. We were driving, you know, had five kids in the back of the truck going down the road and, you know, sometimes we'd go to my grandparents, it was four and a half hours away. And we had this old pickup with the topper and, you know, we'd be laying in the back on a mattress while, you know, going 60 down the highway. Not anymore. I mean, these kids are buckled in. They're telling me when I don't have my seatbelt on. Mine too. One of my you girls know. is a Nazi about it. Like, <laughs> dad, get your seatbelt on. Oh God. Okay. Jeez. My so bad. it's completely different. Yeah. That's crazy. Um, well, nowadays, I always, I still let the dog ride in the back. Like if I'm going duck hunting or whatever, she loves it. Like, and she rides in the back every day when I take the kids to school, like that's her thing. Bell load up. She jumps in the pickup and, and off we go. There's people that judge you for that. Like that oh, yeah. you shouldn't have a dog riding in the, it's a freaking hunting dog. People come on. Right. You, you want to know something that's, this is, this, this is bad. So I was in Georgia and, um, I, I, uh, I used to have a cabin South of, of T-Bone's house about, 30 minutes. Waddell has had a house on the, on the river, on the Chattahoochee river, just five minutes from me. So I was going up to go to the airport and I get off at T-Bone's exit because I needed some gas and there's a Love's truck stop there. And they got this really good jerky that I like to get. It's uh, oh, a yeah. super dry, you know, they're really dry, you know, leathery stuff. Uh-huh. So I pull off the interstate, I go up over the top of the overpass. And as you come up down off the, the top of the overpass, you take a left to, to go in. Well, there was a, there was a little red um, Chevy Colorado four door in front of me. And I didn't notice when it was straight onto me, but when he turned left to go at the stoplight, I could see there was something dragging behind his truck and it looked like a towel. And I was thinking, is, it, are these, is this some kids messing around or what? But as it went around the corner, I could see it was a dog. Oh, man. It was about a six month old German short hair. And obviously it had jumped out. It was tied into the back of his truck, but it had jumped out and the rope was too long. It was disturbing. It was, it was like a, it was literally like a towel. There was hardly anything left of it. And the guy mm-hmm. pulls into the, into the gas station there and he gets out and he kind of walks around the back of his truck and he's like, where's my dog? And he looks and he sees it and he just puts his hands on top of his head. And I could see, you know, I could see his mouth. He was cussing, yelling, you know, profanities and kind of walking around. Well, then all of a sudden it hit him. He's like, Oh my gosh, somebody might see me. So he looked around and he grabbed it and he threw it in the back of the truck and threw all the rope in there. Uh. And I just thought to myself, Oh my gosh, you know, that was just, it was crazy. And, you know, I guess that's, it was just, it was just really wild. You know, I never, (laughs) ever thought in a million years I would see something like that, but I guess, you know, that's why people don't, but I see people I in South that's Dakota. That's why in. Right. The ranchers in South Dakota, I mean, they have flatbeds. They got their cattle dogs up on top of the box running back and forth. You know, they don't, they don't tie their dogs up there, you know, and, and most of those dogs are trained really well. They know they don't get out of the truck unless they're called. But. Yeah. yeah. Bell, so Bell got out of the truck one time. I, my old hunting dog, Maverick, and Bell, we went, I had him in the back of the truck and I was going to the bank. And uh, 
this is like nine, ten years ago. That Bell's Bell's ten. Maverick's long dead. And I was like, Maverick, just I'm thinking he won't, he doesn't jump out, so she won't jump out. You know, she'll do what he does. No, I go in through the bank door, turn around and look back, and the damn dog's right at the glass door looking at me. Oh, no. I mean, she caught a good beating and uh, <laughs> and never did it again. But now we're coming to the point where we're about to get actually the our new puppy's been born. Uh, she's like three weeks old. And so we're coming back to that point where it's going to be crazy having two hunting dogs, one that's a puppy peeing and crapping all over the house again. Those are the things I have not missed, but uh, yeah. I know the kids are real excited. And I think once, you know, Bell's 10, I was like, it's time to think about getting another one. So yeah, it's, it's good for kids too. You know, if they have the responsibility of taking care of it and feeding it, and we've got a bunch of stuff around here, you know, we got a bunch of we got a couple of cats that come in and out of the house and then we got, you know, chickens and stuff like that. So it's good. It's good for the kids to get some responsibility, you know, but half yeah. the time I'm the one that ends up feeding them and water them and everything anyway. So. Yeah. And same with my dad, whenever we got pets, you know, right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what is your next, uh, what is your next adventure? Your next hunt? Uh, I'm sure spring turkeys probably yeah, man, I'm, on the horizon. I'm itching to shoot some turkeys. So, um, First hunt is going to be um, in Texas. I'm going with David Blanton. Um, he's got a ranch that we're going to be hunting. Um, what area? You know, I, 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 I'm not even sure. I'm, it's south of San Antonio, you know, down in, down in the area that opens first, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, looking forward to that. That should be a lot of fun. The place that we're going, they don't take, they take deer hunters. You know, they've got a pretty heavily managed deer herd there and they don't hunt any turkeys. So. I imagine it'll be pretty, pretty fun, you know? Oh yeah. And then, um, after that, I'm doing a, um, a deal called the Strutmaster Classic in North Carolina. My buddy, John Tate is putting on an event there. It's a one day, um, contest basically. And so my, my buddy, Josh Moore lives there and he's got some farms that he can hunt. So we're going to enter that contest. Then I have an appearance that weekend at a sporting goods store as well. Uh, So I'll take my wife and then he and I will hunt the first day for the competition and then his wife and my wife, they'll get to hunt the next couple of days. We'll try to get them some birds and you can shoot two a piece there. So that'll be fun. And then, uh, you know, I hunt around here in Minnesota. Um, usually get a few leftover tags over in Wisconsin. Um, try to hunt South Dakota, Wyoming, Nebraska. Um, you know, I'm just going to do as much as I can this year. Cause I didn't get to do any last year. I think I shot one Turkey last year. So hmm. usually I shoot, you know, between, eight and a dozen typically in a normal year. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, just kind of waiting to see what happens in Canada, you know, got, uh, a Saskatchewan bear hunt that we were supposed to do last year that hopefully it opens. We can do this spring. Yeah. Um, good buddy in Alaska that lets me come up bear hunting, hoping to take my wife up there. Um, end of May, early June, possibly, you know, just kind of depending, but uh, that kind of rounds out the spring and then, you know, want to, get after it again in the fall. We always start in, uh, Utah in August at RK hunting company. Uh, we chase mule deer in the mountains there and that's probably the toughest hunt of the year. You know, it's uh, super, super rugged. And, you know, people think, you know, when you go to Utah, it's a slam dunk and you're going to be able to just walk up on one and shoot it, but it's a, it's a really tough hunt. You know, it's, um, especially if you only have five days, you know, right. if you got 10, 15 days to spend out there, um, ups your odds quite a bit, but, uh, you know, that's one of the toughest animals there is to kill with a bow. So. Right. I've, I've never killed one with the bow, only uh rifle and muzzleloader. 
I've yeah. taken a with. And and I've never taken a big one. I mean, these are DIY public land hunts. And so just to to put a tag on a on a, a mule deer buck with my muzzle loader, um you know, I was tickled pink. So yeah. Still looking for that big gray ghost though, one of these days. Yeah, they're tough to kill. You know, I've been pretty blessed. I've killed uh, I think uh I think I've killed six bucks over 180 or right around 180 and i've got two in the 200s i got a 209 that i shot in in um, old mexico and then i've got the the 226 that i shot um on the arizona strip a few years ago hmm. um, but probably one of my favorite animals to hunt you know i love mule deer yeah um obviously love whitetails and elk too you know actually i love every anything that whatever's in season is my favorite at the time. <laughs> right i just love it man i i never get sick of it i never tire of it so i just uh -uh. Uh, it's my life. You know, I love it. Yes, sir. At this point, I can't imagine doing anything else. Uh, we'll talk more about that coming up after the break because uh, there's an imminent threat out there with the new administration uh, when it comes to our way of life. There's no doubt about that. That segment, by the way, brought to you by First Light's Phantom Leafy Jacket and Balaclava Face Mask. Perfect for the turkey woods. Think a ghillie suit, but much more breathable. So, uh, not going to be sweltering in there on the, on a hot spring day. Uh, check it out. It's the Phantom, and you can find it at firstlight.com. First Light, go further, stay longer. We'll be right back with more from Bone Collectors, Nick Munt, on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show. Never saw sunrise on a mountain morning. I watched those cotton candy clouds go by. And they know why I live beneath these westerns. There's something nostalgic about the old-timey general store, and that's exactly what you're going to find in downtown Goldwave, Texas, at the Mills County General Store. They're licensed FFL with rifle, pistols, and shotguns, ammo, gun accessories, hunting accessories, deer, corn, and attractants, sporting goods. They've got a wide array of knives to choose from, plus insulated apparel for both work and camo for hunting season fishing supplies they've got foods like anchor tea grass-fed beef dublin sodas gourmet sauces and a whole lot more also ace hardware from wall to wall they have it all check it out the mills county general store right there in goldweight texas hi brett jepson here with three curl lease connection i'd like to invite you to come enjoy some of texas best dove hunting just minutes outside of dallas we have many private dove leases available for this upcoming season including milo wheat sunflower and cornfields leases come in different sizes and prices so we can fit anyone's budget we have the lease that's perfect for you and your group we don't overcrowd multiple groups into one property and you'll have the first pick at renewing your lease for years to come please visit us at threecurl.com and click on leases for your property listings that's t-h-r-e-e-c-u-r-l.com Pulsar Night Vision and Thermal Imaging has been helping hunters light up the night for over a decade now. I've been with them for quite some time. Back in the early days, thermal optics were pretty expensive. You might not realize it, though. The average guy can get into a thermal rifle scope these days very affordably. I've got the Thermion XP50. Absolutely love that scope. It's got a diverse color palette, lots of options to choose from, whether you want white hot, uh, black hot, red hot, you name it. There's tons of options, literally. It's got internal recording as well, and it's got internal and external battery options. So you can hunt all night without having to worry about running out of batteries. You can find the Thermion XP50 as well as their entire lineup of thermal and night vision optics right there at PulsarNV.com. 
Cable Smith welcoming everybody back to SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show presented by Mossberg Firearms. Curveball there for you. Pink Floyd, Young Lust. Y'all know I like classic rock. and I might mix in occasional jam like that from time to time. Uh, anyway, we are still visiting with bone collector Nick Munt. Got a lot more to get into before we dive back into that conversation. However, this segment brought to you by All Seasons Feeders blinds and barbecue pits that's right i uh, actually smoked a backstrap on my all seasons smoker this past weekend turned out awesome medium rare of course about an hour on the smoker and it was good to go there were no leftovers by the way but check it out you can find their entire lineup at allseasonsfeeders.com and with that being said uh, let's get back into our conversation with nick munt so I, I had a, a bear hunt in uh, BC on Vancouver Island get canceled last uh, in October. Oh. And then, you know, same deal. Is it going to happen this spring? I don't know. But there's some giant black bear there yeah. on Vancouver Island. And, and, uh, and to me, to me, they're the coolest looking black bears because they have a, a, a almost completely black muzzle. You know, a lot of bears have a, have a brown muzzle. Their, their muzzles are real black. Um, the big boars, you know, when you see a big boar, he's got a, you know, he's got a big bald spot on his head. A lot of times, you know, those coastal bears, I don't know why that is. Um, but just the, the places that they are, you know, depending on where you're at, you know, if you're on the coast or if you're up in the, in the clear cuts, um, I've never been able to hunt there. I want to someday, but those are some of the prettiest bears there are, you know, big old heads on them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah well, hopefully cool. it'll happen. I'm going to, uh, if it does happen, I recently inherited some of my, my grandfather's guns from my cousin who, um, he had no interest in, and, in um, he was like, Hey, I have all of granddad's old hunting rifles. And I was thinking, oh, you know cool. what? I, I got into hunting when I was like 20, 20 years old, started duck hunting. Some college buddies were like, Hey, bring your lab. We're going duck hunting. I was like, I'm drinking beer and chasing girls. You go, I grew up, <laughs> I, I grew up bass fishing and camping. We did a lot of outdoor <laughs> activity. Um, but we never had guns in the house. And so I, uh, I've only been hunting 20 years, but they, those guys, they were like, no, bring your dog. Come on. I was like, I got to go buy a shotgun. Like, I don't, what do I get? Do I need a 12 gauge or 20? I don't even know. So I'm sure I had to wait some tables to be able to afford that. Uh, and then we go and I just fell in love with it. Was hooked. Um, yeah, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I feel like. Um, I don't know. There's nothing else I'd rather do with my life, to be frank. Me too, to, man. To to be able to call this a job is sometimes it's surreal. Yeah, it gets me in a lot of trouble. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, w with my wife, it gets me in trouble because I say, "Oh, I'm going to Africa to work for you know, ten days." She's like, "Oh, work, right? Yeah, yeah okay. I get it well, too. I'm sorry it. that you chose something worthwhile like saving kids' lives to do for a career." <laughs> Uh, it makes my job seem quite petty, but I, I don't want to do anything else. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I, I get that all the time too. You know, I'm, uh, Hey, I'm working and it's like, yeah. How can you call fun working? Well, you know, I'd put myself in this position, you know, it took me 20 some years to get here, but here right. I am. So, yeah, you know, mine was, so it seems like yours was more intentional. Mine was kind of uh circumstantial. I, I did want to do radio. Like I wanted to do sports talk radio. I wanted to be a, um, I didn't want to really be, I did a lot of play by play in college, but I really wanted to just have a sports talk show. 
but guess what? Everybody wanted to do that. And so I started working at this station in Dallas and was basically like a grunt. And then you're looking at the guys who are sitting in those chairs making half a million dollars a year. Like they're not leaving. Like you're basically rooting for them to no. die so you can take their job. Absolutely. I was like, that's kind of morbid. I was like, uh, so we went, to, we moved to East Texas. I got an on-air job there. And my boss was like, you have to host a hunting uh, and fishing show every week. I was like, oh, cool. I, I fished my whole life. And I, at the time, gotten into uh, to duck hunting and uh, and dove hunting and really birds. Anything I get home with my dog and a little bit of big game. But uh, I just, I mean, I fell in love with the people. People like you guys who you could call up. People like Ted Nugent, who, whoever. Um, people in this industry are so willing to take the time um, to, to share their passion. And, uh, and so that's kind of why I fell in love with it. Yeah. Yeah. There's nothing better. It's a great way to, great way to make a living. And it's good you know, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping now that, uh, it doesn't go anywhere. Cause it's really all I know. I'd hate to have a, you know, start a new career at, at close to 50 years old. But, uh, you know, yeah. like I said, I'm, I'm getting ready to launch this new booking agency and that's been, that's been a lot of fun. You know, um, kind of my goal with the whole thing is to just help people get on a trip of a lifetime, you know, whether, whether it's a coal miner from West Virginia that only has 3000 bucks to spend or, you know, or a really wealthy guy from Houston that wants to spend a hundred thousand, you know, I've, I've got pretty much everything for everybody. And, um, you know, I just like getting people on, on trips and hearing about their success and getting to share that. I, you know, that's just something that, that, uh, motivates me. And, mm-hmm. um, there's a trip out there for everybody. You know, I get a mm-hmm. lot of, I get a lot of email emails and, and, uh, comments on my social medias about people that, you know, uh, shoot a big buck and they say, well, I'd like to see you do that here in Pennsylvania, or I'd like to see you do that here in, you know, New York or New Jersey, whatever. And kind of my answer to that is, um, well, get a hold of me, you know, you're driving a $70,000 pickup, spend five grand. I can get you on a great hunt. You'll kill the biggest buck of your life, you know? And, right. and so I guess it's all kind of where people put their priorities, but, um, you know, I just, I just really enjoy helping people you know, realize their hunting dream. And so it's been kind of fun. Yeah. There, there certainly is a hunt for everybody and, and budget, you know, you can work around that. Uh, a lot of guys don't realize how affordable it actually is to go to Africa. Like we have kudu in Texas, right? But it's $12,000. Well, there's your whole safari. You can go to Africa and shoot five kudu if you want to, well, you know, it's, uh, it's just, and I I was talking, um, with Corey Knowlton a couple weeks ago and, he was like, really, the, the thing you have to commit to is the adventure aspect, the, the travel. I mean, it's a pain in the ass. Um, but once you're there, you don't even think about that. Yeah. Uh, you, you, you put in that, you deal with that little bit of inconvenience, and then you have the trip of a lifetime. But Right. Um, and I, I know Corey well. I've, I've been all over the planet with Corey, to be honest with you. Yeah, he's Great a, guy. He, and He uh, loves the 6'5 Creed more. yeah but uh you know when you go on when you go on some of those international trips um your mental fortitude comes to the forefront you know you're gonna you're gonna figure out you know um just how tough you are and and uh you know some of those trips like the 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 trips i've been on to russia for bears you know it literally takes four days to get to camp Mm -hmm. and four days getting to camp doesn't seem like very long, but then once the hunt's over and you're trying to get home, four days is pretty long, you know? So, um, you know, there's a, are those Russian bear hunts worth it? I have looked at some of those at at trade shows just because, you know, to go to the Yukon or Alaska is out of my, my price point. Like 
20 grand for a bear hunt. I'm just, I'm yeah, not something um, I can justify with three kids, you know, you so. see lots of bears. You see lots of bears. The first year I went, um, I shot that one there. Oh, was nice. uh-huh. Um, and then, uh, the second, my second year I shot that one there. Oh, wow. And, yeah. uh, you know, you see, you see a lot of bears. Um, it's a cool experience. You're on snowmobiles cruising around. Um, and, uh, it's it just, I just had a blast both times. The second time I went with my dad, mm-hmm. um, he went along with us on the trip. You know, I took, I went with, with Corey and a bunch of, a bunch of his clients and, um, ran video and, um, helped guys judge their bears and stuff. And, um, so when I got to take my dad, it was just a great trip. And he ended up shooting a really cool bear right on the beach. Um, it was just a, it was an awesome trip, but yeah, it's a, it's worth it. You know, the first trip I went on, um, I think I saw 30 bears and then the wow. second trip saw 50, saw 50 bears. So, hmm. um, you see a lot of animals and you know, it's a, it's about probably $5,000 cheaper than doing it in Alaska. Okay. I would say somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, but then again, you know, you got to get there and time and all that. So, you know, it's a horse of peace. Yeah. Um, but a cool, really cool trip. And you can shoot two bears if you want to, you know, if you, you got the money, you can, you can, uh, you can shoot two bears. So that's cool. Awesome. Yeah. Here, this is my second black bear, uh, that I shot kind of the second bear deal in, uh, that was in Alberta. So I shot the first one with my bow. And then the guy was like, Oh, we got a really big bear coming into this bait. And I was like, how do you know you don't have any trail cameras? He's like, well, see that 55 gallon drum that was chained to that tree. It's like 200 yards into the forest over there. So he's like, (laughs) <laughs> telling you it's a big bear so Heck yeah like, okay um one I, love thing, oh, I do too i really hope i get to go this spring but we'll see how it plays out with canada yeah and uh trudeau's nancy boy ass so one thing you mentioned that i wanted to go back to was um this turkey hunting contest and i want to talk about turkey specifically i want to talk about hunting contest in general because i don't know if you've heard of this project coyote thing it's been making its way around social media. People with a lot of followers uh, from the hunting community posting this, what I would say is just anti-hunting propaganda. Um, but there, in the trailer, it has people running over coyotes and snowmobiles. It has people shooting them out of helicopters, um, which no hunting contest that I am aware of allows you to do that, uh, number one. So it's misleading. Um, but when the hunting community itself comes out and sides with and I, and I went and looked at the profiles of the two people that produced the film and it's just like it's pictures of monkeys and birds and okay great it's like a nat geo page right there's no hunting pictures on there uh so when i see these these hunting personalities saying that hey we should do away with predator hunting contests to me it's like um it's opening up a can of worms. It's letting them get their foot in the door because they're not going to stop. If you, if you let them do that, uh, it's basically like saying, Hey, the second amendment is open for interpretation in my opinion, which it's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, that's, uh, you know, I don't think those people are really, um, I think they're posing as hunters myself. I don't think they're true, you know, cause they know, you know, most hunters know the damage that coyotes do and, mm-hmm. Now that, now that the fur market is, is so down, you know, nobody's trapping anymore. I mean, there, there are guys that trap, don't get me wrong. Um, but it's not like it used to be. And, and, 
you know, coyotes can decimate a deer herd. In fact, um, one year I was um, up at the Canadian River Ranch with Corey, mm-hmm. and um, he hired a guy with a helicopter to come in because they were getting no fawn recruitment. I mean, they were seeing does that had no fawns ever, you know, and so they didn't have the deer numbers that they were wanting and definitely was attributed to coyotes. And so um, we basically flew, uh, there were several guys in camps. So we kind of just took, took turns going up with the pilot. And in a four day period, we shot, I don't even know the number, it was well over a hundred coyotes. Mm-hmm. And at night, you know, you would sit outside and it didn't even put a dent in them. Yeah. I mean, they were still howling all over and, and uh, but you know, just the amount of damage that they do. A friend of mine in South Dakota found a coyote den on his, on his property and he put a trail camera on it. And in a two week period, he went back to get it in that two week period, it brought 16 fawns back to the den. Wow. So you can, you can, that's all of them. Yeah. You can see the damage that they do and you know, they have to be managed just like any other animal. And it's beyond me why the predators get so much love when they're doing all the damage, you know, like the wolves. Now Mm -hmm. they just, they're going to try to bring wolves into Colorado. Like, Oh, they're, they're going to do it. They let the population decide that for us. Yeah. What a joke. Yeah. What a joke. So, you know, I, I think, um, I think the coyote contests are a good thing. You know, I think, I think killing predators is good. They need to be kept in check. Yeah. Yeah. Well, whether you think it's a good thing or a bad thing, like personally, if you're a hunter, how can you side with the, you're siding with the anti hunters when you say, Hey, we need to do away with, I mean, so you don't, I don't, I've actually never participated in one. I want to, we have the West Texas, uh, big Bobcat contest here. It's awesome. I usually will have the winner on or something like that. And they'll talk about this 40 pound cat they killed it, which netted them $50,000, yeah. um, which is awesome. And sometimes, sometimes a mountain lion gets actually these, these three kids killed a mountain lion a couple of years ago. It didn't get them any money, but when they came back to the weigh-in, everyone was like, holy, you guys got a mountain lion? <laughs> yeah. Um, but it, it's just, you can't, you can't let them get their toe in the door because they will never stop, ever. No. Yeah. So, so in Gillette, Wyoming, they hold a big coyote contest, you know, Chamber of Commerce. And um, this, was, this was several years ago, but um, we had these two old boys, they were, they were, two old guys like in their seventies and they were best buddies and they would come over from Gillette to the barbershop that I worked in to get their haircut. And so they were telling us about all the chaos that was going on with the coyote contest. PETA showed up and they were picketing and Mm. just trying to get this coyote contest shut down. So they decided to have this um, like town hall meeting. um, And so they got everybody together. And so the the PETA people were saying their piece and, and the hunters were saying theirs and it was a big war inside of there. And so, uh, Finally, this woman stood up and she said, you know, I think there's an answer rather than kill these coyotes. Why don't we just um, drop birth control, you know, some kind of birth control to give these coyotes. And right when she got done saying that, these guys were laughing. They were telling me the story. Right when she got done saying we can give these coyotes birth control, this old rancher stood up that runs sheep over there. And he says, listen, lady. The coyote, the coyotes are eating our sheep. They're not screwing them. <laughs> I guess after that, the whole meeting just went to heck, and it was basically over after that because everybody got into a big war. And uh, but I just thought that was pretty funny. But yeah, you know, across the across the West, you know, I'm sure in Texas too. Across the West, coyotes are a major problem. Yeah, um, and they definitely need to be kept in check. So I don't know why any real hunter would go against that. 
Yeah. If it's not for you, just don't do it. Right. I mean, I like if you don't want to have an AR, don't buy one, but don't tell me that I can't have one. Right. Uh, it's this, it's the same thing. You're either all in or you're, or you're on the other side. That's right. Uh, there's because it, and it, maybe it wasn't always like that. Um, to be frank with you, maybe there was room for, maybe there was a gray area, but that has come and gone. I mean, with social media and with what we are facing as a hunting community today, I don't see that there's any way that you can, that you can marginalize it or say, yeah, maybe we should do this. No, you can't, you can't. Well, there's, there's no more agreeing to disagree on things. There's no more. I mean, now it's, you know, if you don't agree with me, I'm, I'm, there's, there's uh, ramifications. I'm taking something away from you or, mm-hmm. you know, it's just, it's just separated now and there's no middle, like you say. I mean, everybody, it's just what's going on now with censorship and all this Yeah, it's truly unbelievable. No doubt about that. Let's knock out a quick break. That segment brought to you by Mossberg's 835 and 935 Tactical Turkey Shotguns. You can find their entire lineup of turkey guns right there at Mossberg.com. We'll wrap up our conversation with Nick Munt after the break on SCI's Lone Star Outdoors show. We might both end up in hell, but you're sure as hell going first. I'm chasing taillights straight as a crow flies, hunting just to stand a country road. I've got a shotgun, it's riding shotgun, and we're both fixing to unload. Hey guys, Cable here for Quiet Cat, the leader in e-bikes made specifically for overlanding, hunting, fishing, and remote access to the great outdoors. Quiet Cat provides outdoor enthusiasts a means of portable, low-impact transportation while providing you with the most reliable product on the market. I own a Quiet Cat, and it has surpassed all my expectations. It's an amazing machine that stealthily gets me wherever the hunting or fishing adventure takes me. Based out of Eagle, Colorado, Quiet Cat is able to put all of their products to the test, making sure your e-bike is built to last. Visit QuietCat.com or call 970-328-2399 for more info. Hey y'all, Chris Letzinger, online sales manager at Cinnamon Creek Ranch here, reminding you we're not your typical archery club. We're a -a one-of-a-kind archery facility with indoor and outdoor ranges, full pro shop, and six different 3D courses. Cinnamon Creek was designed by hunters for hunters. Located in Roanoke, Texas, we have over 200 3D targets to hone your archery skills. Call 817-439-8998 or visit us at cinnamoncreekranch.com to visit our new online store. That's cinnamoncreekranch.com. I put a thousand miles on my motor. I broke down in Bowling Green to find a girl who thinks just like you I gotta burn some gasoline I got a heart Smith, welcome everybody back on SCI's Lone Star Outdoor Show brought to you by Mossberg Firearms little Ray Wiley Hubbard there uh, old Ray Wiley tried to get him on the show years ago and his wife said uh, yeah Ray would love to do it but he doesn't really hunt or fish in fact I've been trying to get him to take me fishing for decades. <laughs> so, love Ray Wiley's music, but uh, I didn't think we'd have much to talk about. Uh, anyway, thank you guys for being here. We're still visiting with our good friend Nick Munt of Bone Collector, and we'll pick that conversation back up momentarily. But first, this segment 
is brought to you by Vortex Optics. Let me tell you, I brought back a pair of binoculars from one of the trackers in Africa. I brought it back to the States with me. These Diamondbacks were dropped off of a cliff. I mean, absolutely wrecked, eyepieces off, shattered. Vortex's response, no questions asked. They sorted me out, and I'm taking him a replacement when I go back in July. That's right. VIP, lifetime, transferable warranty from Vortex Optics. Check it out. Well, jumping back into it here with Nick, who was nice enough to stick around through the break. You know, we kind of hit on censorship a little bit in the previous segment. Let's uh, let's take it on head first here. You're a father of young kids. What did you think about these crybabies canceling Dr. Seuss the other day? Yeah, what a joke. Yeah. Uh, and and, and so, I was just seeing some videos of, of Michelle Obama reading Dr. Seuss to the kids saying, you know, we love Dr. Seuss at our house. We think he's great. You know, right. we love these books too. And like, so. And then here we are a few years later and now Dr. Seuss is racist. The guy was born in Massachusetts and lived most of his life in California. You don't think that he was uh, probably kind of a liberal individual? I imagine he probably was. Yeah. Uh, not writing anything from a, It's just, you can turn anything into race in in this time that we live in yeah, uh, and say, now we're, you're canceled. Um, and this guy, so this, I, I put that on Instagram yesterday and this guy, I guess he's a hunter. He, some, he had pictures of hunting stuff on his page. And then he said, don't you think you're acting kind of like a snowflake here? Uh, I saw complaining, that. Complaining about a couple books being canceled. I was like, well, it's actually the snowflakes that canceled the books. Yeah. And it's this is a microcosm of it. It's just, yeah, it is a couple books, but it's a microcosm of what's going on in society. Those books maybe are, you know, insignificant to you, but it's cancel culture. Like leading up to the election, my Facebook page was gone for a month. I never got an explanation, no, nothing. It was just like, oh, either it was because I was posting, you know, pro Second Amendment stuff or pro Trump stuff. Uh, and then all of a sudden I was just like, I didn't have a Facebook page. They're like, you're locked out of your account. And they don't offer any support or any like explanation. <laughs> I didn't know if I'd ever get it back, but oh, ironic! As soon as the election was over, here's your page back. Yeah, yeah, and you know, there's a couple, there's a couple of, of movies that the kids like to watch. Um, one of them, one of them is uh, The Little Rascals, mm-hmm. and the other one is um, Home Alone Two. And Donald Trump makes an appearance in both of those. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they can't, they you can't get them anymore. They, they took them away. They, they're not on Amazon or any place like that because Donald Trump is in them. Now, maybe, maybe now that the election's over, you can get them again. Right. But um, it's just crazy. I don't know, man. I, I'm just so... Over it? Uh, I'm just so disappointed. <laughs> I'm just so disappointed. It's just not America anymore, you know? No. The, the good news is... And so I, I host this other podcast with a buddy called Justified Pursuit, and we talk more about like societal issues, not really hunting. It's my elk hunting buddy uh, that we always do a DIY hunt. Uh, archery hunt every year and we had this idea like five or six years ago like we should do something else and it's about like being a modern man and that it's okay to be manly you know that testosterone isn't a bad thing right um, yeah uh, so we started this 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 thing and it's like stuff that i don't feel like i can really talk about on on what is traditionally just a hunting talk show right right um uh, but uh yeah it's it's sad what's happened here in the last. Well, I mean, what uh, Biden said, uh, there's quotes of him saying, hey, um, executive order. He's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get the votes. Signing executive orders is a sign of a dictator. And then you look at Obama's track record. and He signed four in his first like three months in office and Trump signed three. 
And then here's Biden, who's like past zooming past 40, you know, in like a week. Uh, is, just, is to me is completely just like out of it. You know, I saw him the other day he left the podium and, you know, basically goes stumbling over and then he gets over and somebody whispers to him and then he turns on, Oh, I forgot my mask. And then he stumbles back over to the podium and puts his mask on. And I mean, yeah. it's just a matter of time before they commit him to an insane asylum and, yeah. and Harris is the president, you know, it's just, uh, yeah. I don't know. It's just so, it's just so whacked. But and I think the silver lining is at least 78 million people still hold those values. You know? Yeah. And if Trump wasn't such an ass, like, I've had no problem with his policies, um, by and large, you know, but his just he's he calls a spade a spade to a fault yeah. and he's yeah. and he rubs people the wrong way. And I'm taking my kids to school, the housewives are the ones wearing these uh Biden shirts. And I was just like, Do you know your husband's working his ass off for you? You don't have to work and you're wearing that like do you like your money and you know, this nice existence that you have because your taxes are about to go up gas is i mean i don't know what it's like for you our gas has already gone up 40 cents a gallon where i live yeah it's going it's, it hasn't gone up a lot here but it's going yeah like, yeah you know um i i've i'm the same way you know some of the stuff that he does on twitter and stuff like that is you know he would, i don't agree with yeah. everything yeah but i think i think you know there was a lot of people that voted for biden just because they didn't like trump's attitude and, um yeah you know, how can you argue, argue with the policies that he put in place and what he did for America? I mean, we're in the best place we've ever been in, everybody. And how can people, people, you know, I, I've asked, I've asked people, so what, why would you, you know, what don't you like about what, what Trump's done? Literally, they can't answer it. No. They just say, I just don't like him. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. And, and I think the farther we get away from any kind of dependency on China is a good thing. And the first thing Biden did was like, how fast can we get back in bed with the Chinese? Oh yeah, big time. And then, and then the, you know, the the, um, I can't remember what the name of it is. Where where um, any any illegal that comes in that's a um, that has any kind of um, sexual deal, they automatically get shipped shipped out. They canceled that. Um, I can't remember the name of the. But anyway, just there's just a lot of stuff that he's done that just doesn't make any sense to me and. I don't know. I, I could get into it a lot, but I just, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, so here's a question for you. What, because I've seen this a lot, and it's mostly from Western big game hunters that are like pro Biden. Like in Western culture, do they just not value the Second Amendment as much as we do down here in the South? I don't. I don't know. Like I, I don't. I don't feel like. So maybe it's because they put the emphasis on public land over the second amendment, which is something like that's putting the cart before the horse. In my opinion, like I just, I love public land. It is where I like go every fall to revitalize my soul. And, and I'm not just saying every fall, but I do go on like a DIY elk hunt every fall on public right. land. And I love it. It's my favorite week of the year. And it's been various other trips in, in public land, but you know, I, I don't think that it's more important than the second amendment. And it certainly, um, it certainly came, about after the second amendment like a couple hundred like 150 years later so you know i think um you know growing up where i grew up um you know there was never there was never any gun rules so to speak i mean you could you could carry a pistol you could have your gun in your car as long as there wasn't a bullet in the chamber you didn't have to have it in a case um 
hell, when I was in high school, I had my gun in my truck all the time. I mean, I would go hunting before school and then, you know, I'd have my gun in my truck. Now, if you take, take a BB gun on school property, I mean, you're expelled, you know? Right. And so I think a lot of people feel like our second amendment, no matter what, can't be touched. I just feel like they, they think that. And so, um, in the West, you know, people have just had so much freedom with the exception of probably California. People have so have had so much freedom with firearms that they don't really feel the, they don't really feel the crunch, you know, um, that, that would be my, that would be my answer. Um, but I mean, you do see it, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I, th I think so. And I just think it has to do with that. You know, we've been allowed to basically do whatever we want with guns for so long. There's been no, really no rules um, that I think people just don't even imagine that, you know, and, and then on the, on the public land side of it, you know, I grew up hunting public land. Mm -hmm. um, that's another thing I get a lot of heat from, from people is, you know, I'd like to see you hunt public land once in a while. Well, I've killed every, all the animals that I've killed, the biggest animals I've ever killed, I've killed on public land. So I grew up hunting public land and um, it's a play place for a lot of people. A lot of people don't have access to private. And so, you know, it's uh, the threat of that going away, you know, for people that are just simply camping and spending time in the woods, you know, with their families, um, it's a big deal. And so I think they think about that more than they do their guns, because there are a lot of people that spend time in the West that, that maybe have a gun or two, but they don't use them like we do. And they don't count on them like we do. And they just don't think about the day that we're going to have to band together and, and use them against a rogue government, you know, that's, and that's the bottom line, really. I mean, yeah. you know, the second, second amendment isn't to keep people from shooting each other or robbing banks or, you know, poaching animals. It's to, it's to keep from a rogue government from taking over. And so, um, you just, you just kind of wonder, I just kind of wonder, um, you know, cause, cause my wife and I sit here and we watch all of the, all of the conservative stuff that comes across all the social medias. And, you know, we all sit here thinking, what do we, what do we do about all this? What do we do? Mm -hmm. And, you know, at some point, you know, when does it become a civil war and when do we band together and take action? You know, I, I hope that we never get to that point. And I Me too. certainly Me too. for our kids sake, like, um, and I'm not saying we're there. Uh, obviously uh, I, I, I hope that, we get these people voted out, you know, starting in two years. And then, um, those 78 million become 82 million. And, uh, but here's, here's the, here's the crazy part to me is you've got a lot of, um, you know, and I, I'm not a, and I'm not a big politics guy. I just have never been into it in, until the last couple of years. So I'm, I'm pretty green on all of it, to be honest with you, but you've got certain States where you had, congressmen and senators even local uh government people that were running that literally had no chance of winning they knew themselves that their their odds were low the polls said that they were um you know they probably weren't going to win but then you had all these people all these patriots that showed up to vote for donald trump and so with that they voted for the rest of the conservatives on the card and so a lot of those people that didn't think they were going to win and that weren't supposed to win won because all these people that turned out to vote for Donald Trump, you know, voted for the, for the rest of the people on the card. And then it turns out that Donald Trump didn't win, but all the other people did. And so, you know, what does it matter if we have all these people that show up to vote? We had the most voters of all time show up to vote for him. He still didn't win. So who's to say that 
we get another 10, 15 million people that show up, you know, states like Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Ohio, that have the most hunters. We, we, we worked hard to try to get these hunters that have never voted and weren't registered to vote to at least register and come and vote. And, and they did that. A lot of people did that, which, which should have really swayed the votes in those states. You know, we should have had landslide victories because there's so many sportsmen in those states. I mean, in Pennsylvania alone, you got over a million, you know, right. licensed hunters. Yeah. In Wisconsin, 350,000 licensed hunters and only 100,000 of those people literally, literally were registered to vote. And out of those 100,000, they were saying only 50,000 actually voted. So we worked hard to try to get those people to the polls. And when the people came to the polls to vote for Donald Trump, they voted for all those people on the cards. Those people on the cards won, but Donald Trump didn't win. So, you know, it just is, it's mind blowing to me that, you know, people worked so hard to get to the polls, to vote, set records, but you know. Yeah. Well, you see things like, uh, the, um, the plumbing and pipe, something, uh, labor union, they, they backed Biden, which the first thing he did was like cancel the Keystone pipeline. And they're like, what the hell, man? You know, I was like, what did you people think he was going to do? Yeah. Like, what did I, you know yeah. that he's green energy, man. Like what? That it too. He said he was going to do away with oil. Yeah. So I, I, it's like, God, it's like people live in the twilight zone. Um, I did see a, a, an interesting poll, though, on those four swing states, uh, uh, Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, and uh, Michigan. Six percent of people that voted for Biden, but six percent said if they could go back and do it again, they'd vote for Trump, which would have meant he won in a landslide. So uh, it tells you that people are already disenfranchised with what they've seen in a mere matter of weeks with the, with the current president. Yeah, and you know, if you look on... If you look on any of his social media platforms, they've taken the numbers off of them. They've taken the likes off. They've taken the comments off. Um, I was, my wife was showing me a few things on YouTube and, uh, you know, he's getting like 135 likes and 10,000 dislikes on stuff that he's saying and doing. And I don't know. It's just, it just makes no sense to me. Um, and you know, I don't want to, you know, I personally, I'm okay with losing if I feel like the loss was real, but I don't feel like it was a real loss. I feel like it was dishonest and I feel like there's proof of it. And when the courts don't even look at it, they don't even wade through the evidence. It's just one-sided. And I, I don't know, man, I just have a really hard time with it. And it's, it's, it's like, seriously, like taking its toll on me. I mean, I just, am, yeah. I feel like there's just no hope, you know, I really do. It's, it's just weird. I've been in that moment. My buddy that hosts that other podcast with me has talked me back from the ledge though. So um, yeah. <laughs> I, I felt, I felt like that, it, especially after the, after the Georgia Senate runoff. Um, I, I certainly felt like that. And I was like, Oh God, here we, now we lost now Kamala or is it Kamala? I don't know. Now she's the tie breaking vote. Like, okay, here comes all this gun legislation going to be crammed down our throats. Um, but it still gives me hope, 78 million people. And then, like I said, 6% already been like, oh, why did I do that? Yep. Um, you know, so we'll see what happens. And I, I don't know if the election, like, um, from a vote manipulation standpoint was stolen. What I do know is that secretaries of state altered laws that they didn't have the jurisdiction to, to alter Absolutely. leading up to the election. And Trump was say, saying, hey, these people are doing this. Like, and they did it. And if you have you read that piece in Time Magazine, um, you need to read this piece. That this no, and I heard about it, but I haven't read it yet. 
Oh my gosh, dude. It's a, it tell, it's a tell all. It's like, it talks about the Hollywood elites, talks about, uh, the left basically coming together and saying, Hey, we're going to, we got to figure out a way it's social media giants. Obviously Facebook was a big part of this. We have to manipulate this election. And this lady wrote it and said everything that conservatives thought was going to happen actually happened. It was like, we did that to you guys, like kind of gloating about it. I couldn't believe time ran it. Honestly, I was like shocked when I was like, what? This makes them, this makes them look bad. But now then, I mean, it's history now. So. Yeah. It's this, just the whole thing is just really, <laughs> it's wild, man. I just can't even. Uh, yeah. I just can't well, I didn't intend to get off on this, uh, on this political rant, but here we are. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's take it back to hunting to close with what is your absolute favorite thing to hunt Nick and why? Man. You know, like I said before, that's really tough for me because I just, I, I actually just love it all so much. It's like picking uh, a favorite child, but you got to name one. I like my son the best. If I, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm kidding. And my girls, my twins don't listen to the show, but it was a joke. You know, yeah. if I had to pick, um, if I could just pick to go shoot one giant animal, you know, it's probably mule deer. I just love mule deer. Um, mm -hmm. Probably my, probably my, well, Probably my best trophy is, is the mule deer that I shot with my bow, um, on the strip 226. Um, you know, if I had to pick one, it would probably, would, I would probably say mule deer. I just love it. Um, uh -huh. there's just something about hunting mule deer in the rut, especially, you know, um, just finding a group of does and, and, uh, having the, you know, having the anticipation of there being a buck with them. And, um, I don't know, man, it's just something, just something cool about mule deer hunting. I just, it's probably, it's probably my favorite thing. Um, but of course, you know, like I said, I love it all. I just, it's hard for me to really pick, you know, last question. What is the one thing? And I'll tell you mine first, if I could hunt anything, money, not being an object, I, it would be a leopard. I would love to do a leopard hunt. Uh, but that, you know, that's like $40,000. Um, maybe you can find one, you know, for a sweet deal for 30. Uh, but, uh, that would be at the top of my bucket list. And, and then the North American sheep species will be like a close second. Yeah. I've killed, um, I've killed a, a bighorn ram in Idaho and then I killed a, a desert ram in Sonora. So I would like to, I would like to get those two, you know, I would like to get the, the doll and the, um, stone stone and, yeah. um, but a mountain goat too has always been at the top of my list, you know, just, mm -hmm. uh, some pretty cool animals that I don't know if I'll be able to afford to ever do them. You know, I'm hoping to draw a tag one day uh, yeah. for a mountain goat. Um, but I would say, I would say one of those, one of those two sheep or the goat, you know, are kind of at my top of my bucket list. It used to be moose, but I've, I've, I've been really lucky. I've shot uh, five moose now. And two years ago, I shot a huge moose in Alaska with my bow. I'm on public land on a do it yourself hunt. And, mm -hmm. uh, I haven't had it officially scored, but a guy from uh, the Tennessee wildlife commission scored it. It's at my, it's at my taxidermist down there. He scored it and uh, it was tied for number nine all time. Oh, wow. So that's probably, you know, my, my greatest trophy that I've ever mm -hmm. shot as far as score wise. Um, but man, it's really hard for me to pick. Cause I, I mean, I just love it. I love it. I love all of it. It's just, uh, anything, you know, whether it's turkeys or deer or moose or elk or deer, whatever. I just love it. I said last question, but I lied because you brought up that term trophy. And, uh, that's another thing that kind of upsets me about the status of, you know, when I look internally at us as a hunting community, like, why are we shying away from that word? And it, 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 and I, and I've talked about this with a lot of guests, but like, 
to me, trophy means the old mature male of the species, which is what you want to hunt from a conservation standpoint. So why are we shying away from saying, yeah, we're, you know, of course we eat the meat. Like that's also part of the trophy. Uh, it's all I eat. It's all right, I eat. Right. My, my kids think it's normal to eat like Nilgai testicles and, <laughs> and I mean, like, they, they don't know that that's perception is reality. And their perception is we eat all of that stuff that most people will be like, that's disgusting. Right. Uh, but if, if five and seven year olds can eat it and love it, you know, that it's not bad. Yeah. These kids here, I mean, literally I, I don't buy any beef. I, mm -hmm. I have elk. I'm still eating a Buffalo that I shot two years ago. So we eat elk and Buffalo almost exclusively, you know, every year or at least every other year I get to shoot an elk or two. So I've always got elk meat and that's all mm -hmm. we eat. And so, um, these kids have been raised on wild game and the trophy side of things, um, you know, trophy has a lot of different meanings and, you know, I've got buddies of mine that live in Pennsylvania. I've gone to their houses and they've got eight or 10 deer on the wall mm -hmm. and there's not a deer that, you know, scores 120 on right. most of their walls, you know, and those guys are good hunters, you know, they're killing the top end of the, of the deer in their area. And, um, that's, that's a trophy to them, you know, absolutely a guy in Kansas that, you know, every night he's in a tree stand passing up a 135, you know, it's not a trophy to him. But, uh, you know, it's all relevant. And so trophy is just a word. Um, you know, it just doesn't, it just doesn't really, you know, people get all, people get all bent out of shape, you know, about trophy hunting. Oh, it's, you know, you shouldn't trophy hunt or whatever, but it's all a trophy. I mean, that's what it is. If it, it, all these animals hanging on my wall, you know, I, I put them on a pedestal literally because um, I look at them all and I think, wow, that was a great deer think about the hunt think about the moment that it happened i never forget any of them i go through you know i got ten thousand sheds i can almost literally go through my whole shed pile and tell you what farm i found that shed on i don't have a mark or anything but i know all of them and you know they're all trophies to me and i just don't think there's anything wrong with with being a you know so-called trophy hunter mm -hmm. because that's what it is for me you know i i'm after i'm after a big mature animal i'm after the horns do i eat it yeah if i don't eat it you know, I donate it to a good cause. I've provided hundreds of families with meat. And, you know, I think one of the great things about what we do, especially on our TV show, is um, we travel to a lot of different places. We're there for four or five days. If we shoot an animal, um, especially deer, you know, we all hunt deer at home. And so we put deer in the freezer from home, but we're in, we're in areas that are rural. And typically in those areas, you know, incomes are low. Um, you know, there's not a lot of industry. There's not a lot of jobs. You know, it's rural people, small town folk and, and people take the meat, you know, so fast that it'll blow your mind. So we don't ever have trouble getting rid of meat. And it always makes me feel good uh, to give that to give that deer to a family. And in many cases, you know, we'll cut the deer up, uh, put it into chunks and put it into baggies and then deliver it to people that need it. And um, over the years, I just can't even tell you how much meat I've, I've given away. A buddy of mine um, is an Indian uh, Native American from the Rosebud Sioux tribe and he's got a family there. So every year when I go to hunt Nebraska, I always shoot a buck or two and then I always get as many doe tags as I can and I deliver it to those people on the res reservation because they don't have any, any, you know, yeah. they don't have any money, they're poor and, and uh, they really appreciate that meat and they love it. So um, what hunters give back to the community in forms of meat, um, you know, people talk about conservation all the time, um, but I think, I think the amount of meat given back, you know, to people that need it is, more than what these anti-hunters they ever they don't realize what we do for communities so yeah. um, it's a great thing i had a pretty profound moment in south africa after i shot my buffalo um 
John X Safaris, the company I went with, the Safari Outfit, they have adopted the school that's right there in that it's, I mean, it's rural. I mean, you're in the freaking bush basically, but they've uh, adopted uh, the school and, and we took part of that Buffalo to the school and gave it to, uh, presented it to the whole school. I mean, they were cheering and they couldn't, I mean, dude, they were so happy that it like, it was just that wave of validation. Like, okay, this is, this is for the, the community gets it and they need it. And they, and so if the community sees the value, they, uh, they support it as well. Um, but that was pretty surreal. So, um, well, Hey, I, you've been very generous with your time, man. I, I certainly appreciate the conversation and, uh, man, I look forward to the next time. Man, I really appreciate you all you do, man. I, I love watching watching your socials and and uh, keep up the great work. And if I could, I just want to tell people, you know, um, follow us at uh, at Nick Munt on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, my Nick yeah. Munt page on Facebook. And I've got your a new, new uh, your new business as well. Yeah, I've got a new um, booking agency that I'm getting ready to launch. It's called um, Adventure Agency. Uh-huh. And uh, you can find it. Um, I've got a new website that's getting ready to be launched. It's um, themuntagency.com. And uh, if you're looking for any kind of a hunt from the smallest prairie dog to elephant, you know, let me know. We work with some of the best outfitters and, and booking agents in the business. So uh, let us know. We'll get you on a hunt of a lifetime. But I really appreciate you, man. Thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. And hopefully, uh, hopefully America gets straightened out here and <laughs> get back to business as usual. Right on, brother. Well, hey, thanks again. Thank you, buddy. Take care, man. So there he goes. Today's guest, our good friend, Nick Munt of Bone Collector. I said it before the interview. I'll say it again now. Those three guys, Nick, Travis, and Michael, three of the nicest dudes in the outdoor industry. And I think that's why, by and large, uh, they've been so successful. Uh, they're not jerks, man. They're and, and not that it, a lot of folks in the outdoor industry are jerks. I'm just saying they go above and beyond. Um, I see the way they interact with fans at the Texas Trophy Hunter extravaganzas, and they don't act put out. Like uh, one time, you know, Chipper Jones, Major League Baseball player, he was paid to come do an appearance at one of those things for, I guess, what is he on, Major League Bow Hunter or some show? The guy could have not have been less interested in interacting with the fans who were standing in line for hours to get a photo or, or autograph with the dude. But uh, anyway... Bone Collector, Salt of the Earth, fellas, no doubt. Um, that segment of the show brought to you by Rustic Reminders Taxidermy with locations in Marion and San Antonio, Texas. Josh and Becky Gunther have been taking care of all of my trophy mounts for over a decade. They do amazing work and offer fast turnaround time. See for yourself. Go to gr8mounts.com for your next trophy mount. Uh, unfortunately, we are out of time. Got to go got to get out of here thanks to nick uh thanks to all of our sponsors thanks to you guys and gals for being here for being a part of sci's lone star outdoor show until next time i'm cable smith saying y'all have a great week in the outdoors and one was telling you that i'd be there when telling time had come i should have said i didn't care all the time i would have saved if i had